to the Red Caps Podcast, a podcast where we dip our caps into the blood of our listeners and we ramble on about old school games. In today's episode, I am joined by the creator of Index Card RPG, Viking Death Squad, 5e Hardcore Mode, the Rune Hammer YouTube channel, and much, much more. As you know, no mortal can outrun a red cap, so I hope you can sit back, listen, and enjoy. So today's guest is none other than Hank Infernal of Runehammer fame. We sit down and we chat about gaming, life, creativity, art, beer, a whole bunch more. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So without any further preamble, let's get right into it. All right, folks, I am joined by a man with many names. Some call him Hankrin, some call him Brandish, some call him Runehammer. Some have called him Drunkens and, uh, Dra- Drunkens and uh, Dragons before. Hank Infernal, how are you doing today? Hey, man, what's up? Good to be here on the Red Caps. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Why so many monikers? Or or which moniker do you prefer now, I guess, is, is the question. <laughs> um, well, I think the people that know me best probably just call me B because it's so short. Um, but I, I don't know if I have a, an explanation. I think when I was a kid, I really did not like my real name which is a weird thing that a, a kid would think, right? I mean, it's like, what does it matter? But so I was always making up weird names for myself. It's kind of not really even a a new thing. I've kind of always done that. So I would just walk around and make up some crazy name and just tell people I'm Abe Froman or whatever. <laughs> so we're, we're most people... There's really a reason to it. <laughs> most people seem to have, uh, when they're creating a character in, in an RPG game, a lot of people say the hardest part they have is coming up with, with a name, but that must be easy for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. always like, I already, I usually know it like a week before we're even going to play. I've been like, you know, doing it over and over in my head, like chuckling to myself how clever I am. <laughs> if, if, if you were an RPG character, I think, the DM of the game would have to like really question whether you cheated on rolling your stats. Because when I look, when, when I think about you and I go charisma, he's, he's, he's rolled max on it. Most of the time, uh, the, the energy you bring, you're always like got a smile on your face. Uh, you're always laughing. Uh, anytime I watch your stream intro and just the random songs and stuff, you'll, you'll throw out that uh, <laughs> general positivity. How do you keep that much energy going? Like how, how is that, is that your normal day-to-day persona or is it something that you kind of try to, amp up a little bit for for folks or uh, well i mean it it is the internet so i mean on the one hand yeah i'm definitely a bit of a bubbly person uh i do like i I live very like day to day i'm not like a future i don't do well with the future let me put it that way i I definitely (laughs) live like in each day which definitely makes you a very somewhat bubbly i mean we all have like our downsides i guess um but my thing with the internet has always been like, if if you're not like really feeling it, then just don't do it. You know, rather yeah, you, than kind of like pushing yourself through it, like what what pros must do. You know, I'm not a pro. I'm just some guy. So if I'm feeling it and I'm feeling happy, then absolutely great time to be on the internet. Because I don't know, I also just don't like it if I get like negative vibes from the from the internet in any form. It, uh, it yeah, seemed so 90s to be negative on the internet. It's just that, that was over so long ago. Um, so, yeah, it's a little bit of both. I am a little bit like that, but it's also filtered a little bit for my sort of persona. Yeah, it, it's it's good, though, because, it, I mean, you don't have to look very far to find negativity on the internet. But when you can find somebody who's who's bringing, you know, a lot of positivity to it and just seems to be having fun. I, I think everybody just gravitates <laughs> to somebody who looks like they're having fun, right? Um, yeah. And uh, so that's great. 
So yeah, so if if, if you rolled super high on the charisma, then we then we'd look at like your wisdom. And for that, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go look at like the index card RPG RPG and the stuff you've got in there for DMs and stuff, um, the mechanics you've come up with. I think there's a bunch of good wisdom in there. Well, you've made a lot of people talk about index card RPG, but you've got a few different games, right? You've got uh, that Viking Death Squad 5e hardcore mode. Which one would yeah. you say is for what kind of player? Like, so who should be picking up what if they if they oh, want to pick all three? Death Squad is definitely like a a sort of a, almost like a gag kind of a game, you know. So it is it's it's so kind of over the top and and for a lot of people unfamiliar, you know. Surprisingly, Black Sabbath isn't as well known as I thought it was. Um, uh, we've aged out, my friend. We've aged out. So. Yeah, I think it, it could be that. Yeah, it could be that. Um, but it, that one's kind of just like when you're in that kind of crazy mood, um, and and it fits that really well, especially if you don't worry about what you're reading in there too much and kind of just get the basics and get the tone and and move on. Um, ICRPG is kind of for the the DIY person who um i'm a real like hardcore optimist so so i actually think like there are boatloads of like real do-it-yourself for rpg people out there that aren't necessarily seen that much they kind of just live in their own little world and they really don't advertise about it and so that's what icrpg was made for is that person who like survives playing week to week doesn't have really time to argue about rpgs because they're too busy like prepping the next session that's kind of that person's game and then um, the hardcore mode really is just how I just butchered 5e back into a game that was more familiar to me. Um, I think 5e, especially as I'm well known for saying, like right when it came out was super exciting. You know, it, it felt like a really well cleaned up version of things. And um, I think maybe just because of small brain or the way that I focus and start butchering things like right from the beginning. As it started to expand and grow, I just kind of never stayed interested in it. And so all it became was maybe four or five rules innovations. That's all fifth edition really became for me and my players. But they were cool right. ones, you know, like Advantage. Advantage is a fantastic. really like that. You know, it really simplified a lot of like deciding on penalties and stuff. And a lot of people really liked that. Um, but hardcore mode was kind of, me just saying, you know, if, if you don't have the patience to absorb like how big 5e has gotten and it's just not your jam, you know, like rock on with it. I really don't have anything against it. Um, then here's kind of how I cooked it back down to that more AD&D, more kind of old school kind of feel, I guess, is what people call it nowadays. But for us, that was not really old school. That was just sort of our our stuff. We just had little kludgy bits from all kinds of different games that we liked. That would just go in, you know, and we're that that's ongoing, you know, like we we ditched attack rolls last year and like that was huge for our group. So I think 5e hardcore mode is for that player. You know, it's for the uh the the brazen hacker who kind of likes to take little pieces of DD here and there and just it's a weird, you know, 5e hardcore mode is so strange. I think maybe just the <laughs> title is why it sells really well, but it's really an odd little thing and is really not even that well thought thought out honestly it has a lot of like loose strings kind of hanging off the edges of weird bad cases that occur how do you explain spells in simpler terms and you know definitely asks gms and players to do things but i think it appeals to that player like it's a 5e player they want some of the new stuff they like the new stuff 
you know, the, the art is more colorful and like more high production. So you're like, that stuff's cool. But man, like all these options and all these large hit point pools and stuff are kind of weirding me out. So I think it's it's for that person. So those are kind of three of my, I guess, three of my most high profile bits. And then, you know, I have a handful of all these little super weird kind of flopper RPGs that kind of live in little nooks and crannies. <laughs> yeah, you've got you've got something for almost every genre, actually, out there, um, like all kinds of different things. It seems to seems like something tickles your fancy and you are able to, you know, mad scientist it into being reality yeah <laughs> i hope i mean only since only since uh like icrpg really blazed the trail for me that really got you know like i had enough readers and then once those readers became patrons i know patreon gets like you get sort of tired of hearing about it now and again at least i do i don't know but once patreon really took hold for me that let me do that mad scientist stuff i didn't really right. have to only do the thing i knew was kind of like the big thing i could you know i would even just say like what the hell should i do this month you know and they'd be like i don't know do a you know do a system agnostic weird setting that's just out of the blue like a left field type thing and i'd be like okay and then i would do that and i do think that at least i hope that's what people who like um, contribute to patreon are, are looking for i think that's the fun of patreon definitely allowed for the mad scientist kind of stuff yeah, it's a, it's a much more direct connection between the audience and the and the creator, right? It's like, hey, what do you want to see? This, all right, no problem. We go that we go that direction rather than kind and of even if you ignore them, which I do all the time. I'll be like, you know, <laughs> what should I do? And they'll be like, well, whatever you do, don't write a blog. And I'll be like, hey guys, new blog is out. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it, but it's not necessarily about like that. It's more just they like to, at least from what I can perceive, the uh, a patron is someone who just likes to see you be daring i guess you know if you're overly safe i don't think the patron is like satisfied you know, which goes you know all the way back to like medieval times that was the idea of patronage is like you wanted to see what this guy would do if he wasn't worried about making gallery sales yep you know and then it's like whoa what is this okay well actually let's go back to the gallery sales because this is too <laughs> weird <laughs> all right so if we if we jump from wisdom we go to intelligence You've got you've got degrees in anthropology and philosophy, right? Where you went to yeah. school for those two. Yeah. I was speaking the other day with Dan Proctor of Labyrinth Lord fame. Um, he's yeah. a, he's got his doctorate in anthropology, um, and he was talking about how uh, he kind of gets the vibes of that from from uh, Moldve from Moldve Basic as well, because because uh, Moldve also had a, a degree in anthropo anthropology. That's suddenly hard yeah. to say. Um, how do you feel that's impacted your your writing or your games or anything like that? Hmm. Well, I think if you, if you put those, I didn't quite have time to get all of them, but if you put a few college degrees together, you can definitely get like a, a you can get like an excuse to study like the Hyborian age in college. There's like an imaginary or maybe it's not imaginary that remains to be seen. Like there's a sort of a dark period of human history. It's like Lemuria, right? Like it's this kind of unknown zone between like the sort of the Neolithic and the Dark Ages. There's it's very little is known about that whole time. Now, it's probably not, you know, straight up Hyboria, but it's kind of the one of the closest things that we have to it in the real world. Like, the, I guess, like the Bronze Age is how you could think of it. And so... um, it, really, that's all I was doing. I was just wanting to learn about that because that's <laughs> sort of always been my interest. And so I was like kludging 
these kind of like, you know, like if you really did it right, you would get your world history, get your archaeology, you know, maybe do creative writing. You would do these kludge together degrees where you could really just study this sort of Hyborian kind of concept. Um, and and that's kind of was what was driving my interests was that period and that kind of mindset. Um, so yeah, for me, I know a lot of people joke about college not going into what you do, but for me, it like it was, it was like it was like Legos fitting together, like one thing led directly to the other. <laughs> and and I mentioned that that you've you've written books, so it's not just RPG books; you've got novels out as well. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's very hard to sell a ton of novels. Um, but in a way, I, I, I don't really mind that. I'm, I've never really set out to be a novelist, but, uh, it did like happen to me sort of like this novel kind of happened to me. Like, I didn't really even want to do it. It just, I sort of got a lot of things I do are based on like friends of mine sort of poking me in the ribs and like telling me to do something. And so I kind of got that challenge from a close friend. And I wrote the first couple chapters of Legacy of Mud, the one where, uh, you know, it's this big guy named Vald, and he's walking down a road and he fights some goblins with a sword, right? I mean, it's like the least creative thing you could possibly open a novel with. Because I just, I saw it in my mind and I thought it would be neat. But it just kind of like ran away with it. It just, it wanted to keep going, uh, almost against my will. And I was also going through kind of a hard time in life uh, at that point. And so like that kind of writing, you know, RPG writing is very collaborative and you you got to have your, you're building on players, right? And you're building on things that work and things that don't. And you're, you're checking it and you're asking and you're hearing. And since I was kind of going through a rough patch, I wasn't being that collaborative with anybody. I was kind of on my own a little bit. And novel writing when you're on your own is like, you're in the zone. You know, like you kind of want to be by yourself, just living in your own little concentration space. So for, you know, just over a year, you know, it's kind of all I was doing just as my daily life is I would kind of, you know, about 1 or 2 p.m. every day, I would go to sort of my like my small town watering hole that had like all these windows. So you could see all the mountains and you could see everything. It wasn't like a like a dive bar or something, you know, it was like a really bright open space. And I just went there and I'd order a beer and I would just like write for like five hours straight, like every day. And I did That's that awesome. for a really long period of time. And that, that was super fun. And I, I met my, my current wife that way and like met a lot of great friends that way and met a, a couple D&D groups that way. And so in a way, it like really served its purpose. But writing novels, woof, my Lord, it is hard. <laughs> you, were, you were saying that it was kind of a, a time period where you could kind of, you, you almost needed to have a little bit of alone time uh, to get through whatever's in the head. I guess it kind of leans back to the whole like high energy persona type is everybody who's got ups and downs and stuff. Is that, is that kind of how you deal with it? You kind of dive into your creative side and do like solo projects. Is that where, Yeah, I mean, it may not be evident from, from how I am sort of on the internet, you know, but I, I am kind of an introvert. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm very contrasty. I mean, there was once that I like, I was like diagnosed with bipolar, which is like, isn't everyone in like the 21st century. We're all a little bit bipolar, but I was like having trouble with it. You know, I was, I was struggling. Like my introvert side was too introverted and my extrovert side was like too manic, you know? And so I, I was getting like, I was having trouble, you know, like we all have rough patches like that. Um, but I, I'm kind of am quite introverted. I kind of, 
I live in a very monk-like way. Um, so I have like, oddly enough, like a boatload of friends and there's always something fun to do. Um, but I really do enjoy like having a cold beer and a laptop and a notebook. Like that's kind of like just a space that I dwell in. Obviously you can't just do that all the time. You go a little crazy. Um, but yeah, that is something that I do a great deal of the time. Like, I mean, to be totally honest, when everyone else is at work, that's what I'm doing. That's, you know, that's, yeah. Well, while, while everybody else is out doing their, their busy bee work, that's your work. Is... Yeah, well, and maybe they're in groups of people, you know, working in teams with other people and working, you know, at their location and stuff. I'm kind of just on my own. I, I, I don't have to go anywhere to do my work. So I kind of right. live in a bit of a monk like kind of space with, with my introversion, but I definitely am extroverted when it comes to like time to not work. <laughs> <laughs> well, that leads us to constitution. Um, you know, yeah, from everything yeah, I've seen, even <laughs> yeah, from everything I've seen, even including today, uh, those people aren't going to be able to see the video, but there was a nice, healthy uh, a mug of <laughs> ale that was going on there. Um, yeah, you've been able to. It looks like you'd be able to pass easily a contest after a nice night of uh, of carousing. <laughs> oh yeah, and how has I've always always been that way? I have I have no explanation. I mean, I don't want to encourage uh irresponsible beer drinking to anybody who's not ready for it but but for me like when i was like 10 years old my dad uh was a nom vet and all his friends were like uh like cops and stuff and nom vets and there's this barbecue and they're all drinking coors banquet and i was like curious about it i'm like in fourth grade or something and they had this this idea that they would deter me from liking beer by like forcing me to drink an entire can of coors <laughs> and I think my dad knew right away that I was born a little different because I was just kind of like, this is amazing. It's like soda that tastes like bread. <laughs> Your dad's going, we've made a terrible mistake. Uh oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is not going to go well. <laughs> How have you found so, yeah, the switch? I, I, it's oh, just sorry, the thing. Con is absolutely my highest stat. <laughs> How have you found the switch from, from West Coast to East Coast in terms of uh, you know, bar scenes and everything else. You described a beautiful bar near a mountain. Oh. I assume that was on the West Coast. And now you're out. Yeah, in, yeah. It's, it's Philly, right? That you're near? Yeah, yeah, Philly. So, well, I guess there's two pieces there. That's a fun question. Thank you. There's no two pieces. One is is the the people. The people um, in, in Philly and I think the East Coast in general are just extremely boisterous. Uh, there's There's a lot more reserved behavior on the west coast so I, one isn't better than the other but it's definitely a thing there's a lot of the boisterous craziness in the east so that's the the big difference as far as the beer um i think the beer is a little better on the west coast i think there is more newness on the west coast um but i don't know what's the old saying like uh with with toil a sweet thing is made sweeter so, so in a way, in the East, when you find the great beer, which is definitely out here, it's a little more rewarding, <laughs> if that makes any sense, because it's definitely here. Um, it's just not quite as ubiquitous in the West. The West really, the Northwest especially, is very hard to beat on like the nano beer kind of scene, you know, like where you, 
you really are drinking day old beer, you know, like it's really, like a very dwarven level of beer connoisseurdom. <laughs> you know, and yeah. like so many people around me have told me, you've got to write a beer blog, dude, you've got to do it. And I was just like, I, I don't know. That, that sounds like that could be a bad excuse to just drink more <laughs> beer. <laughs> there could be there could be excellent sponsorship opportunities there sir <laughs> it's for the blog it's for the blog <laughs> so the the furthest i've gotten west i've only been uh i haven't been to the west coast of the u.s i've been to uh like alberta canada but as far as i've gotten which which you know i'm barely on the edge of the rocky mountains there yeah. um but i mean i've been all over the east coast of canada and the u.s i spent um I don't know, maybe a weekend or two in, in philly uh had a pretty good time there it was it was a fun city we were down to see a uh uh, penguins and flyers game actually uh it was, nice. it was great but um yeah i've, I've enjoyed i've enjoyed philly i've got to get over to the far coast of of america and just kind of go through california and and northwest oh, and all absolutely that. the west coast is is beautiful and and super cool people over there so leaving constitution we gotta go to dexterity and i'm gonna say i'm gonna include in dexterity fingers fingers and tool proficiency with the drawing tablet <laughs> <laughs> so, and i gotta be honest people like you are like wizards that i'm so envious and 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 kind of dislike a little bit whenever i see how easy you are you make it look i'm sure it's not easy You're, you've got years and years of practice but when i watch it it looks so easy that i'm i'm just yeah. like come on man yeah. <laughs> at, at your guys' skill levels to take these you know dark lines and all of a sudden it, a very recognizable image just appears <laughs> and uh, yeah, right, can you right tell me a little bit about your art is, style <laughs> right brain stuff is really all or nothing like that isn't it it's like uh it's there, there are definitely folks lots of them who just like their right brain is just not doing what some other people's right brain is doing like and and even for me like you know i see artists who do like rendering basically which is something i really just don't do and i'm just in the same boat as you it kind of pisses me off i'm just like <laughs> what the how what no why does that look all correct why does that look proper it's ridiculous <laughs> but how, how would you describe like like so it, when when i watch your streams and you're and you're you know whiteboarding something out uh even if it's just text mm. which again even your ability to write in that style is disgusting i gotta be honest but then <laughs> when you look at like index card rpg and you look through the book um and the arts is in there how would you describe that style because um, it is very kind of distinct to, the, to to yourself in that way. Yeah, I mean, dry erase is a perfect way to describe it because dry erase is, is very all or nothing. You know, you don't really get a practice run with a dry erase. Uh, it's same with Sharpies, you know, and those are those are the two tools that I've used the most over the years. Like, um, well, you know, as as is well known, I worked in the video game industry for many, many years. And the core skill that I had, this is sounds silly, but the core skill I had in the video game industry was dry erase drawing. Um, because in collaborative creativity, like, you know, drawing and, and hearing people's ideas and sort of catching it, even if it's sloppy and kind of funny, if you can do that, it really is worth a lot, like in monetary value to the companies trying to capture and create these ideas, you know? And so that, that's something that was a core skill of mine. I would love to be in a room with a dozen super switched on people who are arguing, you know, like what a thing should be like, right? Which is a and very hard like, thing. Yeah, yeah. And I would like divide the board into four pieces right away and start like recording the camps 
and drawing arrows and making fun of people with little notes and like doing a caricature of somebody who made a stink face to call them out. And, you know, but then somebody be like, well, it could be like this. And I was just, I was just very well known for just not hesitating. And, you know, if we were arguing about like how a UI was going to be built, I would just start drawing menus. You know, if we're arguing about, you know, what the Jeep is going to be modeled like, you know, just start drawing Jeeps. Just can you draw 20 Jeeps in under five minutes and give people sort of a chunky choice where they go, oh, yeah, kind of like that one. You know, and that's just what I did like every single day for years. <laughs> so, yeah. And and in the in the video game space, I mean, you're now immortalized uh, because you're in WoW. <laughs> oh yeah i know it's awesome <laughs> but do you do you play games much at all like do you do you have, do you have the time or is that uh, a hobby of yours that you continue uh, yourself it's like if i can't get out and like you know get out and go somewhere and go do something and like i'm tired of the book i'm reading um yeah video games are great i i tend to have like oddball taste in video games but yeah i absolutely i mean i got an xbox like any normal person and you know, I'm always seeking like the next one that's going to be great. Like um, the last one I finished was Proteus. I just finished that game. I think that's like game of the year for 2022. I absolutely loved it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I really loved Carrion. That was like two years ago. I thought that was one of the coolest little video games ever. Um, but yeah, I kind of never fell out of that. I've been playing Pokemon Pinball for <laughs> like 15 years straight. <laughs> like so, trying to be like like seven years ago i got like 600 million on pokemon pinball and I, i've been trying to beat that score ever since <laughs> so. i i seem to have i grew up in like a, a weird age where i missed pokemon completely like it just wasn't part of my social <laughs> group so like i've never really understood the references and everything to it because it wasn't something i didn't watch the show i didn't play the games but now my I, i've got a kid who's who's of that age group where Pokemon is everything. And I've become right. so versed in everything to do with that now. Um, and the amount of time I've spent playing Pokemon on the Nintendo switch is ridiculous or on our phone. Right. Like can't go anywhere without playing Pokemon. You were, go just, or something. you were just a Pokemon late bloomer. That's all. Yeah. Apparently <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan still, but I know a lot more about it. <laughs> Just the whole time, just grinding your teeth. Like. <laughs> uh, he, he, he finds it fun, so I will indulge. <laughs> Pokemon! <laughs> Again! <laughs> yeah, it never ends. Are we? Oh, I, I, I guess uh, staying with the art for a moment, are we going to see one of my favorite things that you do uh, quite regularly is to flip book through your uh, flip through your notebook. Are, are we going to get one of those uh, this year? For... Oh, yeah, I'm like... Uh... Well, I'm almost to that point of just drawing smiley faces on the pages because I think I have like a dozen pages left. <laughs> you know, when you're near the end of a notebook, you kind of almost learn to hate the damn thing. Like you really want to move on to a fresh one. Um, it's, yeah. Last I so, saw you were using one of the... Sorry, last last I saw you were using um one of like the custom D&D... Or not D&D, but um, is it by the uh, Swordfish oh, yeah, Island? Swordfish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that, is that the current one that you're working on? Yeah, and uh, almost done with it, and it was cool. It has, like, some sort of different grid styles throughout it and different page styles to kind of prompt you a little bit, um, which really, uh, and not to be mean or anything, just became kind of a nuisance. Um, it's, it's again, it's that kind of working sort of blue-collar 
GM mindset. You know, it's just like, I just need to get my notes down for the next session because I waited till the last second and like, I don't need like an isometric grid, bro. <laughs> so, but, um, it, you know, it was, it was like so many others. It lasted well. It got chewed on by the dog. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be rid of it. Every time before I do those videos, I do have to go very carefully through the whole journal, though, and like scratch out like people's phone numbers and emails and like weird little, you know, like pessimistic notes to myself or like grumpy looking things. You know, I, I don't want to like accidentally have somebody like freeze frame one of those videos because it is super like pants down mode to show those on the Internet. Oh, I mean, for it, sure. Like, I mean, that's, it's, it's like opening on. your diary. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. And it's just. I, I think it's that is the value in doing it though too. I mean, it's I think it truly demythifies what the hobby is if you're really just doing it all the time. Um, it takes away a lot of these myths of like, oh well, I don't do that much prep, or you know, oh, I do so much prep, or yeah, I don't know. You know, there's just a lot of funny myths in the hobby about what may or may not be going on under the hood. Um, but I don't use a screen. And we obey every single dice roll that we make. So if you know those two things about me and look at my journal and put that together, it is kind of like, oh, my God, this is crazy. You guys are living on a shoestring. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I've, I've been the person that's kind of freeze frame some of your some of your things going through it just to just to ogle at uh, trying to figure out what your headspace was for any particular session that you're kind of getting ready for. Um, I love yeah. looking at that. I've said to many people before. I've tried going through notebooks and every time I get a new notebook, sometimes there's this anxiety that comes with this new notebook of like, I'm going to screw this up yeah. <laughs> before I ever touch it. So like, I, I find I actually end up using like index cards more often, but the downside to the, in, to the index cards while I love them is that they, they get disorganized or, or misplaced. Or whatever oh yeah. They never survive. But um, yeah, we always wind up tearing ours up to make fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you tear it in half and then you fold it like an accordion and you set it vertical on the table and that's fire in our world. Um, okay. But yeah, index cards, ooh, man, they do not laugh. They're like newspaper. They wind up just like on the bottom of a birdcage. They just, <laughs> they, they just go away. <laughs> but you know, the number one way to beat that anxiety is when you get a new journal to open it up and like write your name and draw a smiley face on the first page. Just yeah. right away. This, are you, are you a person on the second page? Just do something <laughs> stupid or like put a big X and like a frown, you know, something to just like, cause you're going to ruin the damn book. That's why you bought it. <laughs> yeah. Are you a person that is super particular about like paper and pens and all that? Or are you just like, it's, it's somewhere for me to dump my brain and I don't care. Paper, no pen. Yes. So uh, as you can see from the way that I draw and that I write, I, I go over almost everything twice. So even letters, you know, like I'll write a note and then I'll say hi to somebody and be like, oh, it's going OK. Yeah, see you Thursday night or whatever. And I'll look back at my journal and be completely brain scrambled. So I'll actually I'll trace over the letters again to get my head back oh, in the back in the space. Or like if I'm drawing a little dungeon, I always draw the lines twice because I like them to look kind of heavy. Um, and many pens just fail at this they just do not deliver enough raw enough like quantity of ink um so over the years i have found like the thing that's closest to a sharpie that's not quite as sharpie 
like a like ballpoint pens i cannot endure them i can't deal with i can't deal with pencils pencils drive me insane um i need like a ton of ink but sharpies are a little too strong because they'll eat your journal up yeah i've uh my father uh makes pens uh he, he does like the wood turning and stuff and makes pens so uh i've started oh, to get cool. into yeah i started to get into um different styles of pens i've always just been a ballpoint or a gel pen type person but yeah um, man that's what i'm talking about (laughs) but yeah it's it's been kind of cool to try out different ones of those it's interesting that you say that you trace back over it because a lot of people um like there's that whole field of study around like when you write something it's locking it in your brain and i I i find that interesting where you're like you wrote something once but then you got distracted but retracing over it rather than just rereading it is what brings it back to your your mind like that's that's very absolutely yeah i in in college i really never took notes but i would i would like draw things and the things had associations and if i drew those same things like while i was taking a test or something i could draw a little thing in the margins and stuff and it was like a mnemonic sort of trick it would sort of kick my brain in some bizarre way that I'll never understand. But it was just a it's just a way that I think. And I was just, I guess, got lucky enough to see it and recognize it and, and run with it. Um, so, yeah, so sometimes you'll see me draw like a circle with a triangle in it or like a little shoe or something. I do that a lot. And it's actually like a note, which is it's so bizarre to try to explain. But later, like even weeks later, I'll see that specific little like combat boot that I drew and I'll, the little note will sort of pop into my brain. <laughs> now that I'm saying it out loud, it's extremely weird. No, I, no, no I mean, it's, it's not it's that like different than people that say they have mind maps, right? <laughs> like when people say that they have that, that memory palace or whatever, where they picture a room and there's stuff on the wall and that's how they memorize yeah, stuff. It's kind, of, <laughs> it's kind of that same thing, right? It's, it's, it's the same yeah, thing yeah. you're doing it with a drawing. Um, I got to use I've, that term more often, memory palace. That's amazing. I've I've never been uh up until I was in like my mid 20s I always couldn't understand when people said they could visualize stuff like if somebody said apple in my head I was like yeah okay it's a round fruit it's red it has a little stem there's a green leaf like I could I was thinking it all in words right it was like I'm listing it the list of properties but I didn't picture an apple in my brain um and uh, right. people said that they could see stuff like that I was like are you high? Like, what? Like, how is that working for you? Um, it's like floating then, right in front of you. <laughs> but then, I don't know it's it's and it's weird because I was like an avid reader as a as a kid too. But it it just it was never an issue for me. But when right, I right. got in like my mid twenties, I started to be able to like it was like one day I was like, oh, I all right, all right, I understand what you're saying now. I can kind of see stuff. My, I don't know what it was. Maybe I fell and hit my head. I don't know. But um, <laughs> it was uh, it was an interesting change there. Right. It was like a Phineas Gage moment, you know. I had like a pole go through your eye socket, and ever since that day, you could imagine apples. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from dexterity to strength, um, I've seen some of your of your AmpuFit videos. Those are oh, awesome. Cool. You are Jack, sir. <laughs> you, you, you make flubby, both flubby and scrawny at the same time, like big belly with the tiny arms. Me going, damn it. <laughs> But those videos are kind of of uh, a, a different kind of cool inspirational side. So, like on the RPG space, a lot of your fans are seeing you for the creativity and the positivity stuff from there. But on the Ampufit side, that's a whole different community that you're kind of engaging there and, and yeah. showing. I mean, that's, it's a, that's a smaller group of people. I'm kind of a more private about that. But yeah, I mean, after after what happened to me, 
I kind of got, you know, there's a lot of negativity in like, like medicine in, in, at least in America, I don't know about elsewhere, but they have a very like poopy kind of attitude about like what's ahead, you know? So when I got my leg amputated and everything, there's like a lot of like downer people, like telling me how screwed I was. It was a real bummer, honestly. And so I kind of didn't like that, that I wasn't digging that. And so I kind of sort of found uh, some better voices to be around me and really got finally got someone to be pretty honest with me. And they're like, look, if you know, the the statistics are that you're that you are kind of screwed, like you steadily like lose function and like your hips get all fucked up and then your back gets fucked up. You know, know, it's like this kind of doom and gloom. And they basically said, like, you kind of like have this like mandatory gym thing now is a way to think of it. And if you don't do it, you're screwed. <laughs> but <laughs> it's relatively easy to prevent being screwed because all you have to do is, you know, like basically exercise. And I, I think this is like a weird a thing that like is not common to be told in Western medicine. You know, it's just it's almost hard for the doctor to tell you that truth. Um, so for me, I really took that to heart. So geez, that was like, that was 15 years ago and really have never really had a break except COVID uh, from the gym in that time. Um, just, and, and partly, you know, partially because it's great, it's good for you and everything, but partially also it's really true what that person told me. Like if, if I do skip it, like I start becoming more disabled, you know? So it's a little bit of a cheat, a, a cheat motivation. You know, I'm I'm in a bit of an extreme situation. So if I if I do stop or I get lazy, it's like not cool. <laughs> it's like it is not good. So I kind of have to constantly push it a little bit. And then I'm then I do great. Then I'm I go hiking and do all the things. And even I, I even managed to build like a waterproof leg recently. Um, oh, yeah? just basically improvising it. I didn't get a lot of help from the sort of the, you know, the the community, the like medical community. Um, so just kind of had to use like a scuba leg thing and some boat epoxy and like, you know, those cool rubber straps that hold like a dagger on your leg when you're like James Bond, those rubber straps are really cool. So I got some of those to like keep the water out of it and everything. And like, yeah, so now I have like a fully functional, like water leg, which is badass. So we went (laughs) uh, cliff diving, uh, on our honeymoon this summer and everything. And that was a blast, but it's, it's all part of like not wanting to not be able to do that stuff rather than wanting to feel great, which in some ways, uh, this is kind of sad, but is less motivating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I, I think everybody kind of has that moment where somebody says you can't do something. And you're like, Oh yeah, watch this. And yeah, it's just a matter yeah, of, exactly. it's, it's who can, who can keep the consistency of it up. I think it's the bigger thing. Who can, who can take it when it's not, uh, when nobody's talking to you about it anymore, and now you just have that that voice in your own head about whether wise or not you can words. you can do it yourself. Yeah, very but, wise um, words. The, the gym is super boring. Like, let's not make any illusions about it. <laughs> it is so boring and so annoying, and takes up so much time. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know, it it is like just a constant part of my life. Yeah, if I mean. My squat rack right now in the garage has a, a lot of other things hanging on it other than weights right now. Let's just say that. So I, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but, Various Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's good. Not Pokemon, but I'm surprised it doesn't. There's that's everywhere else in this house. But um so you, did all these stats is this kind of how your character was rolled at the beginning, or does is this a, a series of leveling up? So were you like this as a kid as well, or or um you know the way that we've described all this, or is or were you a completely different like would kid you recognize current you? No, kid me would definitely not recognize current me. Kid me. Like, so, so I I had a major, I'm a late bloomer too, so I can relate to a Pokemon late bloomer. <laughs> but like, I, when I was about 23 or so, I totally changed. Like, uh, I was like super scrawny. And also, I I don't, don't know how to admit it properly, but kind of like, a, what's the word? Kind of like obsequious as a kid. I was like, I was like a mean nerd. I was kind of like really thought I knew everything. I was kind of mean to people about it, honestly. I was like, so you were, you were I really Twitter before. Like I wound up like being like a professor at Princeton or something. I was pretty much convinced of that and didn't have the humility at a young age to really understand like how collaborative the world is. And I don't know. It, it's it's almost hard to to describe really, but then for whatever reason, I don't know why, maybe because I really shifted gears after college um, and finally became like a physical person. Like I never did anything physical all until after college and then finally got into like, I, this sounds silly now because it's 2022, but like I got like a BMX bike and like we used to play like roller hockey all the time. I got I like got my first tooth knocked out playing roller hockey, like got checked into a fence. And instead of it being bad, it was just like, oh, my God, this feels so awesome. Like, I don't know. And just that had never been part of my life in any way and really, really changed my whole outlook. Really, it was really weird. It was just kind of that whole kind of mean nerd thing I was doing. Just maybe because it was a sign of the times or, or what it just went away. I just I was so rid of it. Um, and it took a long time to come back to some of the things I love, like D&D. You know, I was definitely like not into all this stuff for a while while I was being much more physical um, and basically being a better friend to people. And then it all kind of finally came back. But by then I'm like old and hopefully a nicer <laughs> person. <laughs> but yeah, Kid Me was, I don't know, it was real kind of like a like a loner with like perfect grades who looked down on people who didn't have perfect grades. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> I, I, I said I said a minute ago, I was like, yeah, it sounds like you were Twitter before Twitter. Um, but, <laughs> but no, I, 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 I can relate. I mean, I, I, I went through a phase similar to that as well, where I, I think I think because I was kind of a nerdy kid growing up, too, where it was like, I think you just caught uh, you get bitter about being picked on about being nerdy. And then yeah, once you feel yeah. once you feel like you've got uh, an upper hand on something, you're going to play that play that card right, as hard as you right. can. But. Yeah, it's it's you gotta snap out of that at some point, or you just end up completely isolated, and you're not <laughs> nobody wants to be around that. So, amen to that. Amen. Well spoken. So, you've got an index card RPG. One of the things I really like about it is that you use all the dice. Like every dice uh, has has a purpose. Like it's yeah. not where you know oh, I'm going to play this class today, so I can put half my dice set away. It's never going to be touched again. What's your favorite dice? What 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 of the of the die is is the favorite die? What, if if you can only have one, what are you picking? 
probably the most the most like limbic kind of uh, lower brain lizard brain level response is got to be a d12 i guess d- yeah. d12 is king cuz d20 you get numb to over the years like you just d20 is your like you know it's like your mother-in-law living in the backyard but the d12 something's very exciting about that it's especially just the way that i've always used it over the years it's always been our like booster kind of die you know it's like the biggest one that isn't a d20 so there's something like <laughs> you know i don't know it's like you do a sword but you jump out of a tree with your sword so throw a d12 on top of the damage i think that was something that my first real uh game master dave uh used to do like the d12 was his kind of you know uh blammo kind of dice so when something was cool you get so you would always be eyeing that sucker and be sitting there and you'd be thinking when i'm gonna, when am i gonna roll you soon my friend <laughs> i yeah i like the feel of the d12 i i use rather than using d6s i used um i use double d6s so it's a d12 oh, but has yeah, numbers one through so six cool. on it twice yeah. Um, so I use those all the time. It just rolls better. It feels nicer in the hand. I do the same thing yeah, with the D four. I have a D eight. That's one to four twice, um, and uh, it just it rolls nicer. Plus, there's no risk of stepping on that triangle of death. Um, oh, you got to do the prism D fours, man. That the triangle things are over. That's the path. The prism <laughs> ones are the best. I've seen those. I haven't. I haven't actually rolled one of those. I've. I've got to get my hands on one of those. Just it's. I, I don't know. It. I look at it. I'm like, how is that going to go through like the a dice roller or how does it feel in the hand? I don't know. Is it just. It just seems weird. I look at. It, like, I'm judging it before I've ever touched it. But <laughs> you just put it in the dice roller and nothing comes out. So it's like... Yeah, I think it's stuck in there, wedged in there sideways. Guys, I got to go home now. <laughs> <laughs> um, with all the products you've done, you you've opened up a new web store. How is that I know, been? I finally did it. I, I so overcame how, the tedium and procrastination. <laughs> so how's that process been? And and why your own web store as opposed to like, you know, the the bog standard thing that everybody does with drive-through RPG or itch or whatever else? Well, I I mean, the cool thing about drive-through RPG is the community and and the flow, right? So if you're a fan and you're just, you know on your lunch break, clicking through some stuff or whatever. It's really cool for that. And just looking around. Um, so, you know, much love to drive through RPG. You know, Chris Tang is my man. He doesn't work there anymore, but he took such great care of me through that experience. I love those guys. But they do take a nice big chunk of your sales in exchange for that cool community, which they should. They have a massive infrastructure. Um, and their POD, like they just in- improved like half their POD machinery, which that must have been a massive investment on their side. So I absolutely love those guys. Um, but if you do have enough momentum on your own, you absolutely want to be, especially selling like PDFs, you you really do want to do it yourself. Um, it's like, and I guess for me, the breaking point was, this is extremely detailed, very, this kind of TMI, but like in the West, there's no state income tax and the East, many states have it. And I didn't really know that. And then I just got like a piece of mail one day where I owed like Pennsylvania, like 10 grand or something, (laughs) which for some people maybe isn't a big deal, but I was kind of like, Oh shit. (laughs) I I don't know many people, but that's not a, not, not a a big deal of some sort. You suddenly get a 10 K. We're we're hanging out with probably the same people then. Um, So, yeah, I was like, crap, I need to, like, up my game. I got to overcome this. And I'm looking at, you know, my 
you know, what limited data I do have. And that definitely came up as an area that I was kind of just bleeding off oxygen into space, so to speak. So I've known this for years. It's just the tedium of doing it and the internet savviness is just, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be, but it is very detail oriented. I can say that, you know, like, um, thank goodness for Kelsey at Arcane Library too, because she basically gave me like this four things that you should do and no other things like list. She just came right at me, just full on gorilla mode and just said, do these four things and just bag everything else you're doing. And I was just like, holy sh, that is aggressive. So I kind of just, she's a great friend. So I just took her advice. I just did the four things. And one of those four things was like, you have to run your own in-house like little commerce thing. And uh, man, was she right too. It, it's, it's, I th really think people greatly value that feeling of being in your little spot. You know, that they're not going to someone else's stand to buy your fruit, so to speak, right? They're right in your little store. And that's worth a lot, I think, to people. So ever since I made that switch, that has been just going. That It's doing really, really good. Um, even yeah. And it's impossible to sell merchandise to RPG people. Like, they just want books. They really don't want a hoodie or a T-shirt or whatever. But I was completely wrong about that. It's just how I was trying to do it was wrong. So even goofy things like stickers and T-shirts and stuff are just rattling off every day. So that was that was huge. And it's it's kind of a boring topic. But for those out there in my situation, it is absolutely worth doing, especially with attention to detail and, you know, try to make it as smooth and and clean as possible, as simple as possible. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that with with how with how easy it is or easy in air quotes, it is right now to to create, uh, you know, supplements or, or games or adventures in terms of the ease being that the tools are available if you have the creativity and ability to do so um that yeah there's there's a lot of stuff going on to places like drive through rpg or, or hio and i think once somebody has enough material like you've got several different games and different things that you're selling it probably does make sense to go that route but you and you've also kind of done stuff with other creators as well so i i noticed that easy d6 bears your logo on it uh from from uh, dm scotty um yeah. is that going to be a, a thing that you start doing more often where you get other creators to kind of sell under your under your brand and, and yeah, i'll tell you it's 10 times as hard it, it is the level of difficulty is just so much higher to even to work with someone as brilliant as scotty it, it's it's so challenging you know it's like the old adage that uh if you uh what is it two dogs is 10 times as many as one <laughs> and, right so the minute you get a second dog you feel like you have a pack of dogs running around your house it's it's exactly the same when it comes to creativity you know if you if you put one more person in the mix it's just it really gets tough especially if you're a real stickler for like tone and theme and writing quality and sort of like editing manic depressive flow you know like i love it i hate it cut it rewrite it you know that's so much harder with another person um but on the other hand, it's really, really rewarding and really cool. I would love to do it with more people, but not to be blunt, but very few people are at DM Scotty's level. 
Yeah. You know, he is like so just he's a paragon, you know, and so few people are can really boast being that. Um, and even then, even with all his like impeccable billion table hours, you know, his specialty is not writing. So he just gives me all this like treasure and I kind of need to tidy it up. Because it's very stream of conscious in consciousness in a way, you know, he's not really used to trying to get that tasty sentence. <laughs> um, so that is a ton of work, but damn, it's really, really great. Getting his book out was there's something really cool. It's it's like easier to promote someone else's stuff. It's like if I make it's, a thing, I, it's really awkward to be like, "Yo, dude, my book is so cool." What, what kind of weird behavior? <laughs> but if it's Scotty's book. It's so fun to be like, oh, my God, you have to get it because the way that he sort of does question and answer with you to teach you things is is so cool. And it's so Scotty. You got to go check it out. And so that that part I really like. I would love to find the next person to do that with. But I got a, a bit of a journey to go with Scotty yet. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, I'm having I'm ha having a brain fog on who it was. It was in the video for for Scotty's thing where he where they're like this is the best who was it that did that oh, video yeah. that, this is this is the best rpg ever yeah, created yeah, that's, uh, that's dmg info yeah. yeah i'm watching through this video as he's describing it and i'm like that is like somebody does he better have been bought a beer or something at the end of that because that was the best like little sales pitch i was like somebody's that imp that impressed with the system i gotta go take a look at it and and uh yeah, so i'm gonna awesome. copy that up and he is almost has or has as much cred and background as Scotty. Um, that's Gareth. He's also known as the DMG. But he also is one of the absolute originators of like YouTubing D&D &D and crafting and just being public about it. He's an absolute legend. Um, he did hit a major speed bump, though, in his journey, which like his YouTube account got hacked at one point. And his whole thing just got uh, this whole body of work, of, like eight years of work, just got wiped. and it's just it's such a bummer but he's kind of like the australian dm scotty <laughs> you know like he's he's a great dude he's super fun to game with um but yeah he's just i think a lot of people don't know him as well as scotty because of that that terrible hack that happened to him so he's kind of pops up here and there he's kind of ever present <laughs> How, how after all this time that you've been on the on that platform how do you find youtube is is youtube still a mm -hmm. fun spot is it a necessary evil do you look at things like tiktok or any of the other platforms to, to look at or are you just like no I've, I've got my thing and this is where i'm at like what is I mean, YouTube I'm you? like i'm a little bit like anybody where i'll like you know i like my funny videos um you know that's just kind of it's almost like modern tv really of like mm -hmm. You know, I like um, crafting videos. I like, like, you know, I got a dog and a cat. So I'm just like everyone where I like dog and cat videos. I like anything that has like Viking stuff going on, you know. So, so yeah, I look at all, at all those platforms. But I do think that they age quicker than YouTube. Um, YouTube has a weird thing where it doesn't seem to age. Uh, like the people using it definitely age. And like the trends change, you know, like. I don't know if anybody's like watching Markiplier anymore or anything like that. You know, that's kind of from the early YouTube days. Um, but YouTube itself like doesn't change, which I guess is sort of the power of Google. You know, like 
like if you look at something like Instagram, like it really has changed. And in not good ways, I think a lot of people agree. I, I would argue the same with TikTok. It's like it it forces things on you in a way that feels like change and like makes you feel kind of queasy or something. But YouTube doesn't do that. It just sits there like a library. It's just like this massive, quiet beast. And, and I do like that about it. Um, as far as for producing for it, I, I'm not as excited as I was. It's extremely time consuming to compete with the, you know, really well-produced videos. And I really do, I get more reward out of like making RPGs and playing rather than editing like footage of myself, what can get, get extremely strange sometimes. Um, but YouTube as a platform, I think it is the bomb. I mean, if you're like trying to fix something in your house or like, like change the exhaust on your car. I mean, what is the first thing you do? You go yeah, to well, what is now the library. It's like YouTube, you know, and there's yeah. always, there's always some dude <laughs> showing you how to fix your car or whatever. So I, re I really do think YouTube has longevity that I, that I really like. Yeah. It, well, I mean, um, I can't remember if it's surpassed Google or if it's number two, it's, it's, it's either number one or number two is the most commonly used search engine. Like people go to YouTube to search for things before they even search on Google. Oh, before they even go to Google. Right. Right. Cause they just want like, to get the, the speed yeah, just, just show me like visually, let me see what it is I got to do for this thing. And wow, yeah, I mean, that's wild, man. That's also so, kind of risky. What if you're looking up crazy stuff? <laughs> <laughs> but like it's it's uh I think you're right though in that it's it's like a giant library that everybody knows is there and it's got that comfort level. Like even the interface of YouTube hasn't changed that dramatically or it, yeah, it, it changes crazy, slow enough it? that you don't notice. So Yeah. Yeah, there's not many things in life especially on the internet that you can say kind of has that feel to it. Um, where yes, there's definitely been changes to it, but it happens at such a slow pace that you don't really feel it. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it feels like it's still the same place. Yeah. And I, I salute them for that. And like their ad model, it's, it's annoying, but it does work. Uh, you know, like it, it works. It supports people doing things. It, it, it can get a little obnoxious at times. Um, but you know, the old dream of like making like, you know, maybe half your rent or something. Uh, with a modest YouTube channel is still alive and well. I, that That's kind of amazing to me because these things kind of burn out a little bit, you know, and it, it doesn't seem to have burnt out. Like I remember when uh, RC Sparks was out. I don't know if you uh, are into RC cars at all, but like RC Sparks was making like a zillion dollars a year on YouTube ad revenue. And it was brought up as this case of how crazy that is. And this was probably like 2009 2011 something like right you know near the beginning um and people were saying how crazy that was and how silly and how you know unsustainable it was and all this kind of stuff but now that model that rc sparks did is like super common throughout youtube uh, not making a zillion dollars but like paying your rent with youtube yeah. because people like you or like people sailing around the world is another one that i follow you know yeah, that's tiny house yeah, people watch them and watch ads so they can see them sail. And th these are things worth supporting. Like these are these are people who aren't hurting anybody. <laughs> you know, like we should support them. <laughs> yeah, I, I went through a huge phase of, you know, people doing like van houses and tiny houses. And right, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just watching the creative ways that people were able to do that sort of stuff and you get, fall down the rabbit hole. Uh, that's that's one thing you, YouTube is good for is, is finding a rabbit hole and then losing like three days yeah. of your life as you've just binged through stuff. 
Yeah, and so many of the other platforms that you mentioned, you can't do that. It's yeah. it's all like bite-sized and kind of vapid and cheesy. And, and you don't you actually feel kind of gross if you go too deep on it and look at it too much. But YouTube, you don't feel gross. You feel like you're like learning something. You're like, hell yeah, I just watched the entire catalog. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a saying like that the, the most important like it used to be when I was growing up, everybody was to say like the most important thing that you have is time, right? Like uh, m- money is nowhere near as important as time. And I think mm. the most important thing you actually got is your attention. Uh, Cause I've got more time than I do ability to provide attention to anything. And when you, we live in a, an age now, especially like e- even in role-playing games, even in this niche, tiny market of, of the entire planet, um, there is so much stuff put out every day. Oh, how yeah. do you, fi- how do you find getting, you've got an audience, but like, when you're first building that up, how do you, or if you were to advise somebody else, how do they get attention to their stuff? Um, how do they differentiate themselves from, you know, especially in the OSR space, here's 16 other basic clones. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there are two metaphors that are useful to that person. And, you know, I know it's a good question you ask because a lot of people are asking that question. Um, you know, how can I start? And get, uh, as you describe it, attention. And I think there's two metaphors which perfectly match at least how I would advise doing it. I know there's all kinds of methodology, right? Like thumbnails and hashtags and all that stuff's cool. If you're into it, rock on. But I would compare doing it to either like it's a lot like going to the gym or going to a bar. Now, let's just leave the bar out because it leaves everyone under 21 out, okay? So let's just (laughs) focus on the gym. The gym is terribly boring. No one stands out, and everyone is doing the same shit. So how are you supposed to be somebody different? And there's only one answer, and it's just to show the fuck up again and again and again and again. And pretty soon, the person at the front knows your name. And then they give you a different greeting than they give the other people because it's you again, because you're you're a savage. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then like the custodian, like one day you help him move that weird buffing machine because he's kind of got it stuck in a corner. And then he knows your name. And it's not because you're like bigger, badder, faster than anybody else. It's just the consistency of it. And it's a really boring answer. But I think it's really is, the, especially the more that this proliferates, I think it's becoming like almost the only answer. You know, it's like you've got a ton of talented people and they're all pretty awesome. So just waving your arms isn't going to be like, oh, OK, yeah, you win. You're the coolest. I think it's more just show up, give a fuck about people, know their names. They know your name. And then you just show up the next day again, <laughs> you know, it's like the, the, the old uh, saying, well, what is it? Uh, how, how can you be, how can you call yourself a chef if you never cook? Right. So um, you just cook and then you cook again and then you cook again, the same shit, the same beef stroganoff every damn day. <laughs> and you no, just I, do I, it. And before you know it, like, you know, people give a rip about you. And I, I, I really think that's a brutal, but real answer. No, and I think that's that's probably the best sort of advice you can give too, because everybody's looking for the fast answer. The I don't want to put in that much time. How can I just get it now? The instant gratification. And I think people need to hear more often. Well, that's just not 
going to work or if it does work it'll probably be incredibly you know short-sighted yeah. and it'll work for 10 minutes and then you'll be forgotten again right um, and, and if you have both you'll be a powerhouse you know if you have the 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 consistency and you do the bells and whistles stuff then yeah you'll slay it because really i don't do the bells and whistles i just do the kind of still here kind of vibe right. um and i get surpassed by a lot of you know creators who are you know, sort of younger than me in 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 creation time, um, but much more thorough and produced and and you know awesome than me in pr productivity, um, which is fine. I'm totally okay with that because I, I've got all my own kind of other stuff going on. So when it comes to YouTube, I like to just interact with people directly. That's really how I see its main function, not necessarily like cracking you up with like jump edits like I, I did in the very beginning. You know, it's like <laughs> a lot of comedy jump edits. You know, jump edits are infinitely funny. Everybody loves them. Um, but it's just not necessarily where I want to put all my like my work time right now. I'm really having fun just making games and then running them. I'm very fortunate to have like a big player pool right now. So got four games going simultaneously and three of them are in the same world. And like, that's awesome. Just, <laughs> just doing that is is plenty. And then telling people about it. That's that's, <laughs> that's plenty of effort for me. So, so it's funny you bring that up. I've been having this discussion with somebody else as well. How do you find having multiple games in the same world and handling like timelines and one party doing something that impacts another party? Is, has that been, is, is that something you're just like, I don't care. We're all having fun in the world. Or is that something you actually are tracking and, and trying to, to work out in any, in any uh, actual way? A little way? bit of both. Uh, a little bit of both. But I'm also like, a, I'm like the most transparent GM that there is. So I will just, tell people i'll just be like okay well last week in our other thing there was some crazy shit went down suffice it to say you guys there's like a volcano here now <laughs> you know like like we don't really make a fancy mythic you know it's it's like a kurt vonnegut said you know that like surprise is a what does he say surprise is the tool of the liar right it's like a, a good author doesn't try to surprise you he just straight up tells you like, right. you know, like in a lot of his work, he's just like, yeah, actually, these characters are all dead. They're going to die. But, you know, they're going to go through this first. And here's how it began with this guy, Sam, or whatever, you know, that's kind of how he does it. And that's a lot how my tables are. We just openly talk in meta. And just just it's just kind of out there. It just we just sort of lay it out. So I think that relieves a lot of that that pressure of like, I'm going to create you know, four interlocking mystery novels, you know, just like, oh my God, my head is exploding. You know, it's more just like, wow, last week we kind of screwed up our session and we accidentally like unleashed this volcano. So that town you guys wanted to go to is now like covered in ash and stuff. Is, <laughs> is that something everybody can can groove on? Is that all right? And they're like, I thought you guys' like world was like two years before our world. And I was like, hey, yeah, we're feeling like it's kind of closer. I mean, yeah. it works. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that's kind of how we get through it. All right. All right. I got a couple more questions. I know we're coming up close on the end of, of what I said we'd have us have us off. But so last question or second last question, two-parter. If you if you had to distill all the knowledge that you've gotten from from say ICRPG or or the various YouTube streams, and you're gonna give one single piece of advice to a DM and a player. Is there obviously different pieces of advice for both? What's what's the one piece of advice you got for for either one? The GM advice I would give is always only plan one session at a time. 
do not try to plan beyond one session. It's not fair to players and it's not fair to you. Uh, as far as for a player, I guess my advice would be live in the now, not the past. The, the, the past of your character is interesting, but it's not what we're doing as a group. <laughs> are, I, I feel that so much now. <laughs> yeah. I, that's, that's always been my, um, kind of been my, my philosophy as well, but especially when people come to me asking about backstories, I've always been like, I don't care. I, we, we're not playing your backstory. We're playing what's going to happen to you in the future. Yeah. So well, uh, I've kinda... you, know, you want to, you want to hear them out because it is, it's salient to what's going to occur. Um, but I think it, it bears reminding almost constantly with a lot of players of like, live in the now, live in the now. You don't have to make everything a callback. You know, I know right. Easter eggs are like cute in TV shows nowadays, but your character is not just a collection of Easter eggs. You know, like <laughs> live in the now, enjoy the moment, <laughs> be heroic now. All right. And then the last question I've got for you um, is when I end almost every, every uh, interview with is, You've talked to a bunch of people um, on on shows like this or just on your own stuff. What is something that you wish somebody has asked you that you haven't gotten a chance to answer? Or when I pinged you and I was like, hey, will you come on the show? Was there a question in your back of your head? You're like, oh, if he asks me this, I got I got the answer for it. What did I not ask that you wish somebody would ask you about? Uh, I think maybe just because uh, that's a tough one. I think just because I have so many different interests. Um, I guess the one I would want to be asked is like, you know, what's the project that all your, your rapture and your involvement in what you're doing right now, what's the project that because of all that you're not doing? Oh, that's a good I one. Think that, so what, what, take that one away. That's, that's perfect. Yeah. And, and that would be like the joke that I made earlier, which is I would totally be like a beer journalist. <laughs> I would be traveling the planet, drinking beer and writing about it in a erudite way <laughs> you would be the person on that on that sailboat going to different places to to write about beer that we could all watch on youtube totally yeah i mean yes that is i i guess i like that as a question um because it's just outside of what maybe is somewhat constant from my point of view you know from my point of view this is just kind of my my thing Right. You know, it's like every day there's RPG stuff going on. There's like this many miniatures to work on. There's <laughs> there's like a lot of writing to do. There's huge maps that need to have all the little things shaded in. And but in the other part of your brain, if all this just sort of was magically handled, <laughs> what would you be doing? I'd be drinking beer and discussing if it was made with a centrifuge or with a horizontal tank settling method. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Hey, can you can you can you pitch all the things and all the places that people can find you? I know there's a Kickstarter. I didn't even bring bring up the Kickstarter that, that you've got. Um, where you're one of the stretch goals, I believe. But yeah, I'm one of the stretch goals. I, I don't know if it'll make it or not. That system in that Kickstarter is based on uh Legend of the Five Rings, which I know a lot of people has a pretty good following. Um I just don't really know that world. So I don't really know if that's gonna go places and get crazy or not. But yeah, working on that. Um you know, all, you can catch up with my main stuff at runehammer.online. That's kind of my little hub zone. Um, but thanks to my Patreons or my patrons and their like clarity, uh, the three things that you can expect from me in the future, I'm doing a, a new sort of what we call a kitchen sink RPG. You know, it's like a, 
a full-on RPG that's called Crown and Skull. Um, we're working on that right now with three groups of players. And then we have probably the most requested thing ever. I'm finally working on it in earnest, which is called the Runehammer Handbook. And it's kind of like the book that you can't live without in your backpack, sort of as a GM. Um, and the third thing is a, a, like a more complete is the word that's been thrown at me. Uh, adventure for uh, ICRPG. So I write my adventures very loose, like a skeleton. And I've gotten a zillion requests to make one that's very fully realized with like every map and all the NPCs and all the little dialogue blurbs and like everything all plotted out to really help like cement people new to the systems and stuff. Um, that's called The Last Voyage of Finnegan's Pride. It's kind of a classic kind of spooky sort of derelict ship adventure. Um, but those three things are like the three things to sort of look for me doing, um, look for me talking about. And like all the miniatures that go with the games that I'm running, I have an all-female group that's starting in December. I'm super excited about that. And none of them have ever played a single second of D&D. Oh, that's so, the best. Oh, I know. It's just going to... So I'm I'm making sure that I am mega ready to blow them away. So it's like... All the terrain needs to be ready, all billions of miniatures and like ready to go multiple directions and take it wherever they want to go. Um, and yeah, so that's those are kind of the big things on my plate right now. And it's just a matter of being patient, working on them in a patient way, which is like not my core strength. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's, yeah, that's awesome. The, getting getting players who have no preconceived notions and no pre bad habits is so nice because they're just they're they're free. they're really yeah they're already great friends they already get along great they always have fun together so i know that they'll like you know like bond and care about each other um yeah it's, it's gonna be awesome can't wait to tell everybody about that once it gets going that's awesome yeah and everybody should go in and if if they're able to um become part of the patreon because you you put up polls like the, these three things you were just talking about i saw recently there was the poll up of like hey here's a list of a half a dozen things or more what ones should i actually focus on so yeah. uh, you can, yeah, you can sometimes the answers are like oh no but but other times they're like really like align with what i want to do and now is one of those times so feeling very lucky going into the winter to work on all this stuff awesome well thank you very much for coming on the show and speaking with me um it was a pleasure to talk to you and kind of get to know you a little bit and I, I, I've loved your products and I've watched your YouTube videos for, for years and years now. So it's, it's great to, uh, to get a chance to chat with you and hopefully everybody got to to learn a little bit and see how much you cheated on your D and D uh, character sheet here. Cause it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Kevin. I hope we can just have a beer sometime together in person. Yes. Once I get myself back down to the U S I will, if I'm in the Philly area, I'll drop you a note. Awesome, man. All right, guys, I'm going to toss this to future me. That's doing all the editing and stuff. And I'll talk to you again in a second. Okay, folks, all the links are down in the show notes for all of Hank's amazing things. Um, check him out. It was so much fun talking with him. And this is going to wrap up October. This is the last episode of October, but it's not going to be the last interview. Um, there are going to be more interviews. There's a couple booked already, and I'm going to be trying to book some more into November. Um, I had a lot of fun doing them. I'm really glad that I, I kind of kicked this up here in October. Uh, the frequency, like I've said a few times, was a bit much, but I'm going to try to continue doing them because they were a lot of fun. And if you have suggestions on people you'd like to have me have a conversation with, or if you know somebody, send them my way or drop me an email. Uh, again, on my website, you can find all, my, all the ways to contact me. 
So this is going to wrap up this episode of the Red Caps podcast. I hope you enjoyed, you learned something, and that you're eager to come back for more. www.theredcaps.net has all the links, all the ways to contact me, and I'd love to hear from you. Thank you very so much for listening. And remember, never let your caps dry out. Stay safe, have fun. We'll talk again soon. Take care.